headline, a student of permaculture, a food patriot to the natural world, and a human. Um, on today's show, we'll be talking about the third annual conference on Native American nutrition occurring at the University of Minnesota October 3rd to October 5th. And I invited someone to um, share and be a co-host with me, Beth O'Keefe from the Minnesota Indigenous Women's Society. Welcome, Beth. Hello, Laura. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So tell me a little bit. Tell, I mean, we just ran into each other at the State Fair, but tell me about yourself. So, um, like you said, I'm from the Minnesota Indigenous Women's Society. We provide domestic and sexual assault services to members of the Upper and Lower Sioux Tribes, Southwest Minnesota. I am a member of the Lower Sioux Indian community, um, as well as an apprentice working under a uh, master quiller and a uh, brain tan hide artist. Wonderful. And a master gardener, too. Sorry, that no, is that how is we cool. met. That's how we I met. am a 2018 intern master gardener. That's so in cool. In Renville County. It is cool. And we'll be, we'll be learning a lot more about you um, throughout the show. But one of the people that are joining us right now from Japan is um, from Japan is joining us, Caldeus Shetty. And Caldeus Shetty is the founding director of the Global Institute for Food Security and International Agriculture. Welcome to the show, um, Caldeus. Thank you. Thank you. It's Caldeus Shetty, like California. But it's okay. It's, you, you did fine. Awesome. Um, and so you are the founding director of the Global Institute for Food Security and International Agriculture. Your research includes microbiome interactions for advancing new innovations in the food system. So tell us what that means. Uh, oh, what that means is we have a lot of good beneficial bacteria that we need for good health. And therefore, the diet that we eat uh, for uh, own nutrition also needs to support that good bacteria and the kind of diets that we eat and, uh, you know, super high and uh, density calories and, and, you know, the unrefined uh, or the refined foods that we eat, they all lack some of these uh, uh, nutrition that also supports our good bacteria. So we need to feed our own uh, basic nutrition, but also the nutrition of our good bacteria. That's what good microbiome so we need to eat food from healthy soil. Yes, also, yeah, and healthy soil and healthy, uh, you know, uh, plant foods and the uh, microbiome that support that good healthy soil that also then uh, supports the much more much more diverse food that supports a balance of uh, diverse nutrition that we need, including the good microbiome that we all also have addition to the good uh, soil microbiome that supports the plant, we also need good microbiome that uh, supports us. Right, and so I'm going to bring Beth in here, but, you know, we have less than 1% of the prairie left, and so we really haven't been honoring our soil. Is that, that's, that's, and so we're, we're, we're struggling with a lot of health issues because of our lack of reciprocity with the natural world. Would you agree with that, Beth? I would yes, agree. Yes, uh, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that because we've lost the diversity of our crops. We have lost diversity of uh, the ecology that supports the crops. And so we need a lot of that diversity, both in the ingredients as well as all the ecology that supported it. So this loss of diversity across the food chain is also and impacts of that is we're seeing on our health as well. So, Dr. Kalida, did I hope I pronounced yes. it? Yes. I, you yeah. know, I was looking at yeah. some of the work that you have done since 1995 in Jakarta, Indonesia, and I guess, um, in, could you talk to me about some of the changes that you've seen in this work? Yes. Uh, what happened is as uh, we globally and including our own indigenous dads in our own indigenous company in America, but globally too, we narrow down a lot of the basic nutrients that we get from the wider ecology and around carbohydrates, proteins, fats, minerals, and vitamins. So we need for our health and well-being, but we're getting it from a few narrow choice of crops and in many cases, a much higher requirement that we need. And then overall, uh, 
food, you know, components like fruits and vegetables that bring a high, wide array of these beneficial nutrients that support us, as well as the good microbiome, have been lost, lost in the process. So this loss of diversity of getting on uh, nutrients from a wide array is a, is a big loss. And these are required for overall health and well-being. And so uh, this is a global phenomenon, but much more in our indigenous community, both in America, but across indigenous, as we have narrowed the food choices and obtaining a higher amount of them, then in a sedentary lifestyle, then many of the major diseases we are seeing type 2 diabetes and its consequences. So um, and so you just connected to diabetes, and I do want to comment that you're calling from Japan, and the connection's not 100%. So, um, oh, I'm, so, yes. so No, 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 that's it's not and your but I just want to, but, but Let's talk about diabetes, and Beth, talk about diabetes from a personal perspective. So, Doctor, I'm a type 1 diabetic. I was diagnosed in uh, 2002, and I have had to change my entire um, eating system and how I, I consume foods you know, just for myself, just to be able to maintain my life. Um, and I find, too, that um, I had to grow my own food. I, I just had absolutely no, had no access, and I didn't know enough about it. So when you talk about specifically it changing in our indigenous communities, do you find that in communities around the world they're still holding on to their traditional foods? And maybe the Western okay. diet is... Okay. Oh, okay, so before we get to that point, I just want to clearly differentiate between type 1 and type 2. Type 1 is when your pancreas, the uh, insulin system, is, you know, the insulin itself is not made, and this is only... About 10% of the total diabetics, where, where the insulin itself, you need to have insulin injections right from you know, from the t- time you are diagnosed. Well, the majority of the diabetes is mostly, you know, from our environment and adult onset, which is after a consumption of, too, you know, too many, uh, the carbohydrate system breaks down. And eventually, it. Um, so, Dr. Kelly, Dr. Shetty, sure. and unfortunately, sure. our yes. connection is just a little too bad, but I do want to point out that you have published over 200 manuscripts, um, and you hold yes. five U.S. patents. And um, if people want to listen to you directly um, and your work ah. on um, biomicrobe changing our things, uh, changing our thinking about nutrition, they can go to the third sure. annual conference on Native American nutrition. Before we say goodbye to you, is there anything else you really want to say? Yeah, I want to say that uh, most of the diabetes coming uh, coming from the poor diet, and we need a very diverse food system. And going back to a lot of our indigenous food system, we are finding many of the antidotes for counting the glycemic control that breaks down with the other forms of diabetes. And so we have a lot of foods in our indigenous food globally that we are missing, we are losing, and we need to bring that back. So bringing back food diversity especially indigenous food diversity, we can find many of the antidotes. And that's what, in my presentation, I'll be showing how the indigenous three sister crops or other crops of the food that, uh, food that we have, we are missing out and how we should add back. And so higher diversity and increasing our overall intakes of fruits and diversity is absolutely essential for good health. Well, I thank you so much, and I'm sorry the connection was kind of bad. Did you want to say or follow up on that? Well, I guess Who I was me? just... No, Beth, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Beth. Beth, I'm Beth sorry. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what, Doctor, and I, I do appreciate that because I do live in a Native community, and I am the exception. Most everybody that I live around are type 2 diabetics. And I... Uh-huh. And I, I really was fascinated by the crops for health that you have and you're developing the work that you're doing at the University of North Dakota. So, Thank you. Yeah, and go ahead, please. Oh, the crops for health, the returning to ancient grains. Tell us a little bit about the crops for health. Yes, very good. So when we reach across a wide, diverse plain, so we we can take the mechanisms of our crops play themselves, and a lot of these protective compounds can fight the glycemic pathway that likely breaks down in our system. So the nature built that in uh, in across in the ecological context 
And so those that can be bought in and we can study them, we can study these, measure them similar to how many of the drug screens are made, we can bring these antidotes uh, for the glycemic control across uh, these diversity of crops, especially the in traditional uh, indigenous crops across the system. So as we screen them, whether it's three sisters or the root vegetables, we can see a high uh, levels of these and all the mic, all the compounds that support our good microbiome. So all the diversity of uh, mechanisms for the sugar control and the microbiome, microbiome can be bought in uh, into our regular everyday diet. And so, so again- we are measuring that. We want to grow that and enrich that in our diet again. So I thank you so much, uh, uh, Dr. Shetty, the founding director of the Global Institute for Food Security, for calling us from all the way from Japan. Um, and you will be at the uh, uh, third annual conference on Native American nutrition on, uh, at the University of Minnesota, October 3rd to the 5th. And joining us um, in the next section will be Mindy. And uh, Mindy is the director of Health, Healthy Foods, Healthy Lives uh, Institute at the University of Minnesota. And co-hosting with me today um, we're going to... Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and my apologies for the bad connection. Oh, yes. Well, thank you for calling us all the way from Japan. Uh, very much appreciate it. Um, and uh, okay. and so we're looking forward to hearing more about the microbiome and how we can. Uh, so uh, here's a quote from Sean Sherman's book, um, The Sioux Chefs. Uh, Why isn't the original indigenous diet all the rage today? It's hyper-local, ultra-seasonal, uber-healthy, no processed sugar, no processed food, no wheat, no gluten, no dairy, no cholesterol, and high animal products. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP, or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. It's grilling season, and Vinaigrette has some sizzling recipes to inspire you. How about summertime grilled fajitas? Just create a marinade with our golden balsamic or champagne vinegar, and chili garlic or jalapeno olive oil, and marinade beef or chicken. Add red onions, red, green, and yellow peppers, and throw them on the grill. Or try grilled steak brushed with our truffle or garlic olive oil. Visit us at 50th and Xerxes in South Minneapolis and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior, or online at vinaigrettemn.com. It's a good day to be indigenous. Native Earths Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current with Mother Earth, tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand-in-hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts. 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. 
Laura Hedlund, and um, I'm joined by Beth O'Keefe with the Minnesota Indigenous Women's Society, and she's helping me co-host this show um, about the third annual conference on Native American nutrition. Hello, everybody. Glad Hi. to be here, Laura. Wonderful to have you. Um, and we just spontaneously met at the State Fair, and uh, um, you're also a Master Gardener. I am a 2018 Master Gardener intern for the University of Minnesota. Awesome. And you went to the conference last year. I did go to the conference last year. I am a member of Lower Sioux Indian Community, and I chair a health committee. So why did you go to the conference last year? Just to find out what I could do, what I could bring back to my community, what was working in other communities. Um, what people were seeing, uh, just, you know, to get reinvigorated. Unfortunately, back at home, changing people's diet can be really difficult. So, it, you know, it's almost as if you have to have every tool in your toolbox because, you know, you're up against quite a bit. This food system that we have in the United States is literally killing us. And so, um, yeah, to really love our family is to really make sure that they are eating healthy, nutritious food that is... Locally grown, you know, um, and yeah, just having access to um, food, having access, access to, food. to life. So uh, joining us now by phone is Mindy Kernzer, and she's the director of Healthy Foods, Healthy Life's Institute at the University of Minnesota. Mindy Kernzer is a professor of nutrition and the director of the Healthy Foods, Healthy Life Institute at the University of Minnesota. She has taught nutrition courses to more than 4,000 students. So great. Welcome to the uh, show, Mindy. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about the conference. Okay, this is the third annual conference. The first conference was in 2016. It was the first ever conference on this topic of Native American nutrition uh, that we're aware of. And we had about uh, 400 people at the first conference. Uh, last year was the second conference. We had about over 500, and we anticipate around 600 people uh, at this conference. It is co-hosted by the Shakopee, Midwakar, and Sioux community and the University of Minnesota, and it is sponsored by the Shakopee, Midwakar, and Sioux community through their Seeds of Native Health initiative. And the purpose of the conference is to bring together the best of indigenous wisdom and academic Western science. The idea being that one is not the only route to solving our problems, that there are great strengths of both and that we can take the best of both. They're not mutually exclusive. In order to understand the uh, situation with respect to Native American nutrition and to understand how to improve and prevent problems and uh, change the situation to improve people's health. Wow. That's a mouthful, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the one thing that I, I was able to attend the conference last year, the, um, the one thing that I found that was really exciting was how they brought together, you know, across the lifespan, that there was uh, panels from elders that were giving, um, you know, their recollection of the day's events. There were young people that were brought in talking about the work that they were doing. And I, I see that in your, your Healthy Lives, Healthy Children um, publication that came out. Could you kind of talk about how that, um, how important it is to have the generational, to have multi-generational uh, focus in your work? That's, that, that is critically important because uh, clearly within indigenous cultures, elders hold the, hold the knowledge and the wisdom and are responsible for keeping it and passing it on. And the youth are the future. And they need to learn what the history is, what the culture is. And uh, in this day and age, it's more difficult than ever because families are dispersed, because kids leave home, because technology and the dominant culture has made it extremely difficult for indigenous people to maintain their culture and their connections and their networks and the strong family and community bonds that have been the foundation of maintaining culture and health through hundreds of generations. And so uh, we have made it a very, very, we've made a very concerted effort in the conference to make sure that we have elders 
who can impart their wisdom, who can reflect on the issues and discuss their views on how to move forward. And we have made a concerted effort to include youth, and this year we're actually going to be bringing in a group of youth, not only to serve on a panel, but additional youth to participate in the conference in order to, uh, in order to bring their views on how they see the future, what they see as needs, what they see as problems and solutions, and uh, because they're the ones who are going to be doing it sooner rather than later. And so we're trying to, in fact, in, in this conference coming up, we're having a whole session on, focused on intergenerational learning about food and nutrition. So and Mindy Kernzer, Mindy Kernzer, um, with the, excuse me, Mindy Kernzer is the director of Healthy Foods and Healthy Life's Institute at the University of Minnesota. We're talking about the third annual Native American Nutrition Conference. We'll be taking a break and uh, be back in a sec. This is Artbeat for the Week. I'm Elizabeth Horeb, co-host of Connections Radio, and today I'll be letting you in on some fun art events in the area this weekend. Off-Leash Area is thrilled to announce their inaugural Bark Art Dog and Art Festival this Saturday, September 15th, from noon to 8 p.m., and then this Sunday, September 16th, noon to 5 p.m., at Off-Leash Art Box in Minneapolis. A massive two-day family-friendly event in the Nokomis neighborhood, Bark Art will be hosted by Off-Leash Area in collaboration with community partner Canine Coach, voted number one dog trainer in the Twin Cities since 2005. Bark Art will bring two communities beloved by the off-leash area, dogs and art, together in a festival featuring outdoor talent shows, dog-related business and artist booths, and a new production by off-leash area called Paws and Effects. Starring their dogs and with dog-friendly seating, tickets are available ahead of time. For booth information, registration, and all festival activities, visit www.offleashareaorg. Barring things like the Minnesota State Fair and St. Paul Winter Carnival, not many events here in town make it past the 20-year mark. Ball's The Beloved Saturday Night Open Mic Cabaret is an exception to that rule. Over the decades, a variety of performers from very green to emerging to seasoned pros have taken to the stage to entertain. What you'll see on any given night varies wildly and may include folksy local musicians, anarchist poets, musical theater students, or award-winning storytellers trying out new material. The event, hosted by Leslie Ball, is censor-free, although first-timers are required to take in a show before they are allowed to sign up and give it a whirl. Ball's is also a sober event, which can be a refreshing change for those tired of drunken open mic sets or the late night last call scene. Balls is this Saturday and every Saturday at midnight at the Southern Theater. There is a suggested donation of $5, though no one is ever turned away for lack of funds. Go to www.southerntheater.org for more details. That's Artbeat for the Week. I'm Elizabeth Horob, co-host of Connections Radio Show, airing live Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Hi, Sarah from Vinaigrette. Farmer's markets are everywhere and summer's bounty is limitless. Try rustic caprese salad using spring mix, fresh mozzarella, grape or cherry tomatoes, red onion, fresh basil, garlic olive oil, and our 18-year-age balsamic. Or try grilled romaine brushed with Tunisian olive oil. Vinaigrette makes it easy to love your vegetables. Visit us at 50th and Xerxes in South Minneapolis or 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Finding the best foods the Twin Cities has to offer is easy with EatLocalMinnesota.com. Offering the top local and independently owned restaurants, EatLocalMinnesota.com has everything from burger joints to cocktails and fine dining. Join the Seward Co-op Creamery Cafe for seasonal dishes using locally sourced ingredients, Minnesota craft beers, and organic wines on the new outdoor patio. Their delicious vegetarian, vegan, and omnivorous menu options are sure to satisfy. Sustaining a healthy community, find Seward Co-op Creamery Cafe at 2601 East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis and online at coopcreamery.coop. Enjoy all the flavors of Milton's, where they specialize in dishes like grilled jerk chicken, shrimp and grits, and much more. All made from scratch. 
Pick from Milton's large selection of beer and wine and finish it off with desserts like Bananas Foster. Milton's also serves breakfast every day starting at 7.30 a.m. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You don't have to be an expert camper to enjoy the Boundary Waters. Big Bear Lodge is your home away from home that still lets you experience the Northwoods in authentic and modern woodsy cabins. Upon arrival, you'll be greeted by the owners whose priority is your relaxation. Take in amazing sunsets, stargazing, and moose viewing near the Gunflint Trail. There are free use of canoes and kayaks, guided pontoon tours, and private docks and fire pits. So come find your smile at Big Bear Lodge. More at BigBearLodgeMN.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblot. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. With their AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for mostly cloudy skies today with a high near 84. Tonight, cloudy with a low around 71. Saturday, sunny with a high near 88. And Sunday, sunny with a high around 66. Break away from the ordinary and find a list of -of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at EatLocalMinnesota.com. The Eat Local Minnesota restaurants are great spots for date nights, evenings with friends, and business occasions. And your money also stays local with Minnesota-owned businesses. Find a full list of all those restaurants at EatLocalMinnesota.com. in the studio with me and uh, uh, helping me uh, co-host the show, which is about the third annual um, conference on Native American nutrition. And when we went on break, uh, Minzy, you were talking about intergenerational learning about food and nutrition. Yes. At the conference, we have uh, brought in a number of elders as well as a number of youth in order to discuss the transfer of knowledge from elders to youth so that the history and culture and uh, about food and nutrition within indigenous communities will be passed on. And one of the things that we're doing is that we have a whole session on intergenerational learning about food and nutrition, and for this session, we're having two different family groups uh, engage in a moderated discussion, each of them separately, and these are two groups who have worked in various aspects of food and nutrition, uh, all, of the, all of the people in the family. So in one case, we have a Hopi family where the grandparents have been highly respected elders working in various aspects of food and nutrition for, uh, for decades, their daughter and their granddaughter, all of whom are active. In the second group, it's going to be a local group uh, who work with Dream of Wild Health, and it's going to be an elder, his daughter, and his grandson. And the conversation is going to cover the exact topic of how have they transferred knowledge from one generation to another, and what wisdom do they have that they can share about how this is done. One of the families is a rural reservation-based family, and the other one is uh, in Minnesota, uh, partly in the metro area, uh, not one is from the first one is from the southwest. The other is a Minnesota family. So their experiences will be very very different, and hopefully they'll be able to convey lots of different ideas about how they've accomplished this transfer of knowledge. Awesome, Mindy. That sounds really exciting. Um, that is certainly something that I, I myself, and as a community member at Lower Sioux, we always felt that it was important that we had every, that we had every age group. You know, not only that we have the elders um, to depart their knowledge and the youth to 
help us maintain our direction and to, to find a direction for us. But we also needed that middle-aged group. We needed the workers. We needed people that were going to actually do the work. And I find that it's so much easier when you have, you know, both your, you know, your grandmothers and your kids that are pushing to um, get you to take the time out, to make the time. Well, and that's food and, and nutrition right. across the life cycles um, and linking agriculture to nutrition. But also there's a recovery of historic trauma because those browns have been break uh, have been broken by the um, by, by the trauma that has, has existed in this nation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when you talk about uh, removing our food system, not only did our food system go, that went our clothing, that went our work, that went our interaction with each other, the way that we were able to show love to each other, the way the art that we were going to create, all those things are we're, everything. It's all connected. Um, I'm also Bidei Wakantuan. So there is a saying as Matakio Owasin, like it is all related. And we've always believed that we are a part of the plant world, that those are just other nations, that they are not separate. The animals and the plants, the water, the land is not separate. So, Mindy, part of this is how to bring this integrated, holistic approach to our conditioned, linear lives. Is, is that part of the work? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, my background is much more mainstream nutritional science, where we look at the science of food and health and make recommendations based on nutrients and biology and chemistry. And what, what is becoming more and more apparent in many, many aspects of nutrition, not just issues related to indigenous people, is that the social aspects, the environmental aspects, the non-biological biological factors are enormously important, as important or maybe even more important than some of the, uh, the conventional scientific, uh, scientific factors like bi the, the biochemistry and metabolism of nutrients, etc. If people don't have access to food, if trauma has interfered with their ability to be healthy for many other reasons, then no amount of sharing healthy tips with people is going to, is going to have a, a, an effect. You have to deal with the, soci the social, the political, the historical uh, challenges that people face in order to be able to accomplish uh, the change that's needed. And so in the conference, this is a theme that runs throughout probably every talk during the conference. It comes down to some of these factors, and the last session of the conference is actually going to focus on something that you just mentioned, with, which is the importance of recovery from historical trauma to health and nutrition. So we're going to have speakers addressing that directly, how historical trauma and current trauma interferes with people's ability to be healthy and to uh, and to achieve optimal nutritional health. You're speaking my language. <laughs> you are. Yeah. That, you know, and, it, and it's so amazing, and I really do see that the work that you're doing, you know, I mean, to get, especially in this day and age, to get good information, you're right. Um, if you don't have people that have access to, you know, well, to tomatoes, you know, nobody will know how, just how great a homegrown tomato is. And then the idea that you can spend some time with your family doing that, that there are all these things at work. We're always working on our relationships. And at least that's what I found um, with my own path through learning how to garden and, you know, just learning how to take better care. And the fact that, you know, once I do garden, I, I can share that food with kids. Um, you know, I can share it with other people. And that in itself, that generosity, um, you know, like when you're really giving somebody a good gift, as opposed to, you know, possibly giving them a candy bar or something where, you know, they may not be hungry, but they're still hungry. Right. And the, the deep quality of the soil. I mean, again, only 1% of the prairie is left. That We have really altered some stuff that's really deep, and we need to get in these healing spaces. Um, and so, um, I, I, um, Mindy, did you want to say anything about that? About, can you clarify the, the question for me, please? <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, 
So we have less than 1% of the prairie left. And one of the things I've been hearing is the relationship that we have with the natural world. And we have, I mean, food nourishes us. Do we nourish food? Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, that's clearly a very, very important question and idea in general in the whole world. And I think that Dr. Shetty talked a little bit about biodiversity and some of the issues related to agriculture within the context of indigenous people. And this is a global issue. This is not just an issue related to Native Americans. What what you find out when you study this worldwide and travel worldwide is that the issues facing indigenous communities on every continent are essentially the same. And so issues related to what you just said, the changing uh, of the soil quality, uh, climate change, uh, political issues, uh, removal and relocation so that people are no longer on the land that their ancestors were on. They have to adapt to an entirely new environment. And what does that mean about their relationship with with, uh, the land and with food and growing food? So there's a, uh, to a certain degree, there's an adaptation that indigenous people have had to uh, endure all over the world to new situations. At the same time, there's an enormous passion right now uh, in the topic of food sovereignty and recovery of some of the cultural and uh, some of the cultural, some cultural things that have been lost and some of this relates to food, bringing back traditional foods, learning how to grow them because some of the knowledge has been lost. Some of the seeds, the, the ancestral seeds, there are very few, and there are people who are seed keepers who are trying to retain those seeds and trying to, uh, there are organizations that are, that are trying to teach some of the traditional agricultural methods again to bring some of this back. So... I think it's yet to be discovered to what degree will the traditions be able to be brought back uh, with respect to growing food and how much of it has been lost and will require an adaptation. And, and how, how I think do, that's something that we don't really know right now. Right, and how does the Western world learn from the indigenous communities around the, uh, around the world? I mean, Charles C. Mann detailed that there are over 600 different types of vegetables in some indigenous communities. And so that type of diversity is not only uh, nice, it's also very smart. It's smart planning to have diversity and not as opposed to monoculture. Um, let's bring in now. We have um, also waiting on the phone right now is Deanna uh, Bilo. Uh, Deanna Bolio. <laughs> Deanna Bolio is a community member of Leech Lake, um, is a SNAP ed nutrition educator for the University of Minnesota Extension, born and raised in Minneapolis. Deanna is a member of the urban native community with interest in food systems, specifically in food sovereignty. She is a trained lifestyle coach for the National Diabetes Prevention Program and a certified Serve Safe manager. She is a talented beadwork artist and enjoys spending time with her daughter. Welcome, Deanna. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about what you'll be talking about at the conference. Um, I, I'm not planning on presenting anything at the conference, but I am um, part of the planning committee, and I'm I, I, my idea is just to be there to support people who are going to be there to um, help people, you know, um, navigate their experience at the conference. Okay, and then so, but you work you work in the community as a SNAP Ed nutrition educator. Um, tell us about the problems of diabetes in uh, Native American communities. Um, well, the so so one of the things with um, diabetes is uh, it's it's a it's a it's a lifestyle um, is a condition um, that is impacted our communities disproportionately over the years. Um, and 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 what I I don't work with people or I work with people who are um, diagnosed as pre-diabetic. So part of that effort is to. Um, 
um, screen people before they actually um, develop diabetes or get a diabetes diagnosis so that we can actually have an intervention before um, they become, you know, before the condition can, can worsen as they get older. And so I'm going to go back to this Sean Sherman quote is about the first indigenous diet is naturally low, low glycemic, high protein, low salt, and plant-based with lots of seeds and nuts. So that type of eating was actually... Was so that was better. everyone's diet. That was everyone's <laughs> that diet. That was what was yeah. here. <laughs> it turns out that's what grows here. Still, still, all over Minnesota, yeah. there are places where these things grow. You know what? You had talked something about an intervention. What does that mm-hmm. look like? I mean, are people real receptive right away about making these changes? Um, not, well, that's, that's one of the things like that. You know what? We're going to have to take a little bit of a break, but we're going to come right back with that specific question. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. We're talking about the Native American Nutritional Conference. Fall is an important time to call the window washing and exterior cleaning experts Blue Sky Services to prevent seasonal changes and potential winter damage. Look at your roof. Do you have black streaks, blotches, or algae? Don't wait for the cold to have these freeze. Cleaning is much cheaper than replacement. September schedule is filling quickly, so don't neglect your windows, gutters, or siding cleaning. Call 651-447-4484 to book your fall cleaning before their busy season schedule fills and tell them that you're an AM950 listener. That's 651-447-4484 or blueskyservices.com. Northeast Minneapolis is known for its creativity, and you'll know exactly why when you eat at Hazel's Northeast. Their creatively prepared comfort food will have you coming back week after week. Breakfasts like biscuits and gravy, granola pancakes, and brisket hash. For lunch, homemade soup, and one of the best Rubens in town. And don't miss the daily risotto or Chef Ali's ever-changing dinner specials. Come on in. Bring the whole family. Hazel's Northeast delivers real good food. Family owned at 29th and Johnson in Minneapolis. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. With all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stellion? Check online to learn that Warner Stellion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stellion sells more brands than anyone else, and our passionate specialists are committed to impressing you so much that you'll refer us to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stellion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy appliances, join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners and choose the specialists, Warner Stellion. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. You're better at Slow down. You move too fast. You got to make the moment So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, and joining me in studio is Beth O'Keefe with the Minnesota Indigenous Women's Society. Thank you so much for joining us. So excited to be here. I know. You're doing fantastic. So, um, and on the phone right now is... Um, Deanna Bolio. She is a member from Leech Lake, and she is a SNAP ed nutrition educator for the University of Minnesota Extension, and she is working in Minneapolis. And we had a question for her right yeah. before we took a break. And Deanna, are you, do you remember? Or do yep. you, 
I don't remember the question. I don't either. I <laughs> oh, we were talking about the intervention. After, so you say that yeah. you primarily work with people that are pre-diabetic um, and that mm -hmm. we had talked a little bit about an intervention and how people, how people respond to having to change their diet. Uh, yeah, so the intervention piece is um, we use it. We, so I'm a, I'm a trained diabetes, uh, pre-diabetes like lifestyle coach, and that um, training was provided. It's provided by the CDC with the I Can Prevent Diabetes program. That is um, a program that has been um, implemented in, in a lot of different um, spaces in our communities in the, over the past five years, five to seven years. Um, so, um, so the, but the thing about the food and getting and, and um, you know having people change their diet is a slow process. Right. It's a little bit at a time, and also working with people to not only educate them about the nutritional value of the food, but then um, allowing people to make better choices and shift their attitudes towards what healthy food is or, or, or even wanting to eat healthy. But isn't this where so we really need to also move to systematic change because ramen noodles, um, corn syrup is cheap, and ancient grains and uh, fresh vegetables are expensive. And so is that a, is that a, it's a system problem. Yes. Yep. And there's a lot, there's, there's, there's it's, a, it's a systematic issue. And then also um, socioeconomic barriers that prevent people from being able to afford to eat healthy. Um Right. And then also why I work through SNAP-Ed is working with, um, working with SNAP recipients, so people who receive um, SNAP benefits um, through the county or, and state, and it's a federally funded program. So, um, so they already are living on a fixed income or a fixed um, amount of money per month to spend on food. So how, and then so part of that also is working with families on expanding their um, food budget over the month so that they're not, when they get their benefit at the beginning of the month, they are eating really well and have a lot of food, but then towards the end when their um, subsidy runs out, then they're not eating until they get another, uh, until the first of the month, the next month. So that's one of the um, things that we um, talk about is how to budget, budgeting for food and budgeting so that you're able to um be more food secure throughout and be more consistent with access to having food in the house. That's really interesting, Deanna. You know, when, I guess when most society talks about people that are in the system or that are using programs like this, they talk as if that this is what's going to bring the country down. And it kind of sounds like what you're saying is that even with assistance, people are unable to meet their nutritional needs. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, really having to stretch those dollars, really having to figure it out. Well, and I really yeah. loved what you just said, Beth, about, you know, how the, how the system looks like it instead of how do we build a system that makes more sense. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a hard catch-22 because the people who are growing food are the lowest paid people. Um, you know, one in six jobs has something to do with food. Those jobs don't pay well. So it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's how do we thrive in a system that is naturally oppressive or... Mindy, do you want to jump in here? I don't know if Mindy can hear, but... Um, sure. Sorry, I had to... I had to unmute my phone. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that as, as we've talked about before, the social environment, the political environment is extremely important in, uh, in affecting what people are actually able to do. Education and knowledge is a piece of what is needed. But the political system, the, the social environment uh, also has to change. So, for example, the Farm Bill has been negotiated for months. It's not, I don't think the negotiations are quite complete yet, but that will have an enormous impact on Indian country. People all over the country, but certainly in Indian country, because the uh, the SNAP-Ed program, whether to what degree it's fund, it's the continuation of funding for it. Uh, things like agricultural subsidies 
have a huge impact on what farmers grow. And whether, you know, there isn't a huge incentive to grow healthy foods. There's a big incentive to grow, uh, to grow crops like soy and corn, uh, et cetera. Right, and, and in some there areas, are right? There's subsidies there. So that, well, and so then they're getting paid to not grow the crops, right? right? I mean, when they're controlling that system. It's well, and that's, I mean, this show is named Food Freedom because in, in what you just said there, Beth, when they're controlling the system. And so, and it's not like them are, you know. Sorry. No, no, no. I like that. Actually, it, it, it is the systems being controlled. And I'm, I, maybe it's unconscious. But how do we bring awareness of health and well-being along with a consciousness of love for all, along with um, a recognition of the rights of nature to a, a food system? System that is nourishing, and and that's the aspiration, um, and and that's why I mean looking at some of these these issues, how how we how we birth that for the next generation is I, I see the the challenge of our times. I agree with you. You know, when I looked at the Snap Challenge page, and they had talked about that one in four children overweight, two out of three adults overweight, one in ten don't have enough food, four out of five not getting enough exercise. And when you look at this number, the $2.3 billion estimated on medical expenses due to obesity, that isn't a native problem. That is a human issue. Right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I appreciate the work that you ladies are doing. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this conference to come back up. Um, I've, I think that, um, well, you know what, I think I want to know more from the two of you because I, I really believe that that was part of me becoming a master gardener, was getting good, solid information from the University of Minnesota. So it's, it's something that is local. Um, so the hardy plants that are developed by the university, the information, they take all of the people of the state of Minnesota you know, into account. And I just really think that that's something that um, not enough people take advantage of. Cool. What do you say, Mindy? That makes me really happy to hear you say that. Because I think that the res some of the resources at the university are not appreciated and taken advantage of sufficiently by people. And the fact that you see the university as a resource that can help your life, that can provide skills to you, that can enhance your life in your community, I think is brilliant. I it's a that. land grant university. It's a land grant hey, university, right. right? It's go, a land grant. Yeah. <laughs> so you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. We're talking about the third annual Native American Nutrition Conference, October third to the fourth. October third to the fifth.